Welcome to Copilots, the podcast where we watch not just the first episode of a show, but also the second. Some shows just don't have the best pilot episodes, and giving it that second chance might just sway your mind. Here, we take that chance for you, and let you know our opinion on if a show deserves more than just one shot. I'm Justice, alongside me is my co-pilot, Josh. Now, let's get ready for takeoff. Your in-flight entertainment this week will be The Dresden Files. Can I tell you something straight up before you even get started? Straight up, now tell me. Yes, I'm so excited for this episode. Yeah? I love these books so much. I've read 13 of the full books, a short stories compilation, and I'm currently reading the 14th book in the series. Yeah, if you haven't listened to our last interstitial, our last in the cockpit, you won't know exactly what we're talking about. Josh has just been binging Jim Butcher's The Dresden Files, on which this show is based. They're honestly some of the best episodic style books I've read in a long time. Like, they kind of recapture that feeling of, like, reading the Animorphs or, like, Magic Treehouse books as a kid, but, like, for a grown-up audience. I didn't really read a lot of episodic books. I think Animorphs is really the most episodic book series I read. Yeah. Like, wait, 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 wait. No, you Goosebumps. Were, Goosebumps and Animorphs. You were big into the Magic Treehouse books for a while, too. Not really. We had a whole bunch of them because they were yours. No, all of our Magic Treehouse books were yours. I had some secrets of... Xanth? No, no, not, not, not secrets. Um, door to some place rather it was yeah, a yeah. short book but those weren't entirely episodic they had a really large overarching plot they had it's still the episodic nature I'm talking yeah, about like, I, I don't remember how episodic those were I remember like nothing from that series a Dresden novel kind of feels monster of the weekish, but as a book yeah. it's great but it kind of has a monster of the week feel and that's the, that's the same thing as like an Animorph fill or yeah. like a Magic Treehouse fill where there's an overarching story but like but yeah the Dresden Files kind of has that feel going on and I'm so in love with it it's urban fantasy so it's gritty and it's magic and, and our main character is a detective and well he markets himself as a professional wizard yeah and i know at least in the show we get like some more gumshoe noir-esque detective style narrations from him over shit sometimes yeah he that's, i'm a sucker for that that's a, that's a like big hallmark in the novels too is we'll get like overarching narration from dresden in between like plot points happening and stuff and the way the entire books are told are like they're read back into like a tape recorder or something like where he's okay, telling gotcha. the story yeah see I am I am a sucker for that stuff. That is just a random genre of shit I love that I can never find enough of, or at least good versions of. Not that he could read back into a tape recorder, because in the world of Dresden Files, wizards fuck up technology just by being around. It, these mm, are, I don't think so. It probably has more to do with the journals he has. He's going to end up keeping sometime in the future. I don't, I don't think wizards mess up technology. He's around cars, phones, lights, televisions, well, his Jeep computers. Is, his Jeep is like post is just like right after World War II. Yeah, era. but I mean computers phones televisions lights he's around all of those things okay well let's dive into the show i'm gonna do us all a favor i'm gonna come at the show like somebody who hasn't read the books and then at the very end i will run through all my issues all the differences not my issues all the differences between the books and the show so just as a note to all of you set aside about 20 minutes at the end of the episode just to remember you're gonna be listening to our rant from josh okay it's not a rant i just want to highlight <laughs> the differences like the, some of the differences between the Harry Potter novels and the movies are good, and some of them are absolutely terrible. Are there any good differences between the books in this? We haven't reviewed the episodes yet. I don't want to. Okay, okay. Episode one: Birds of a Feather. So we start with a voiceover from our protagonist, Harry Dresden. Harry Blackstone Copperfield Dresden. We we only get the name Harry. We we never even hear anyone call him Dresden. We get Dresden. Do, do do they ever mention his last name? Yeah, Murphy calls him by Dresden. Oh, does she? Yeah, she only refers to him as Dresden. Huh, continue. 
Anyways, so Harry Blackstone Copperfield Dresden starts our narration for the show, and it leads us into a flashback to his childhood, and he's talking about how his father told him that monsters weren't real, and he has to wonder if his father was lying to him, or if his father just didn't know. Yeah, and we see a young Harry on his bed, scared, looking at a closet door. His closet door is opening, and there's some type of loud breathing coming from it. So, as small children do, he yells for parental figure this one being his father yes because as we learn in this scene his mother is dead mm-hmm. and has been for a while and so his dad comes in and is like there's nothing in your closet see harry's like i heard something in there though and it's just like, there's, no, there's no such thing as monsters and then he pulls out this bracelet of shields and he gives it to harry they are small copper circles with things engraved on them yeah and he calls on it a, on a leather band around them he tells harry that it's his mother's shield bracelet mm-hmm. and that it protected her from a bunch of things and, and then, then Harry- harry's like then why did she die and he said because she wasn't wearing it mm-hmm. and that's that we wake up that's not entirely that the dream ends with harry talking something about fear and then saying i'll rip its heart out and then the door to the closet slams shut with no one touching it and then he wakes up ah yes it, it, it goes from like i guess kind of heartwarming memory of his dad to weird dark tone all of a sudden which is kind of a tone the books have going for them because Harry, Harry's constantly walking that border between white mage and black mage, where black uh, magic is punishable by death and white magic is... He is a gray magician, the strongest. Yes, 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 yes. He will kill all I mean, of the childlings. Je- Jedi and Sith are like... All, all the foundlings. Are also like parallels to white magic, black magic, like... Parallels, like... No, I mean, they're literally space there. Yeah. But anyway, so he wakes up, he's in bed with some woman, uh, her name is Laura? Indeed, her name is Laura. Yeah. Which is yeah. kind of funny in 2021 where Paul Blackthorne, the actor that plays Harry Dresden, plays Detective Lance on the Arrow show. Where he has a daughter named Laurel. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Paul Blackthorne's great. Paul, like. So I'm set up. The show seems pretty good. It's got Paul Blackthorne. The intro wasn't bad. I just want to tell you something straight up now. Mm-hmm. I already did the joke once. So it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, it's called a callback. I know it's only been five minutes, but it's a callback. The best form of comedy. Paul Blackthorne casted as Harry Dresden, Valerie Cruz as, as, as Lieutenant Murphy, and Terrence Mann as Bob. All fantastic casts. Like, I have a little bit of an issue with Murphy, but, like, she's a good Murphy character-wise. Yeah. I like Terrence Mann as an actor. I like Paul Blackthorne as an actor. I don't recognize Murphy's actress, but... Valerie Cruz, she's done a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was in the Charmed reboot. I never watched it. Yeah, nobody watched that. Yeah, I didn't think so. She was in Cellular, which was a pretty good movie. She was in Dexter for five seasons at 50 episodes. I haven't watched Dexter. You haven't watched Dexter? No. I've watched the first season of Dexter. She's in The Rookie for an episode. I mentioned that because Justice and I are actually huge Rookie fans, even though ACAB, the show is still very good. Yeah. She was in the TV show Grimm. She was in Alphas. That's a good show by Sci-Fi. A rare thing to say. Yeah, she's got a very, like, long career. A lot of it looks like she actually did a lot of work with Sci-Fi. <laughs> Like, I, rec- I recognized her. I just didn't recognize anything she was from. Like, yeah. I couldn't think of anything. But yeah, Valerie Cruz as Lieutenant Murphy, Terrence Mann as Bob, and Paul Blackthorne as Harry Dresden. All great castings, and I won't, like, complain about that. But anyways, Laura leaves. She's kind of late for work, I think. Yeah, it? yeah, is what it seems to be. And then we cut to Dresden, fully dressed, walking through his, his office slash house slash I don't know. Yeah. And he is looking for his keys. Because he parked his Jeep illegally across the street last night, and he needs to move it before it gets towed. Yeah, he parked his Jeep across from the diner, which is apparently where Laura works, and it needs to be moved. And he opens this fake wall and goes into his lab, where we're met with a guy with pale white hair, Mm -hmm. and he's working magic formulas in midair. It's really more of a pale blonde 
Okay, I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it comes across as white-ish, but it's it's more like a platinum blonde hair. And this is Bob. He's the spirit of a wizard that died about a thousand years ago, and he is trapped bound to a skull that Dresden owns. they don't explain any of that until, like, the end of the conversation. I mean, we find that out within this conversation. Yeah, at the very end of the conversation, when he just tells him to go back to his skull, and it's like, wait, that guy was a fucking ghost? Yeah. Up until that point, he's just a magic guy. I'm just summarizing the scene. What else What else is here? We, we, we learned about something called a doom box, which is... Mm-hmm. badly named and very vague yeah we also learned that bob believes harry's dreams that he's having are probably oh, yes. important and then bob says something about like harry was talking about these dreams about his father mm-hmm. and bob mentions how dresden murdered his uncle self-defensed him to death such a good short term like, yeah and then he also mentions that the doom box the thing that he's working on as harry mentions the the spell he's working on which is for his doom box thing as different as some of these characters are between the book and the show and like as different as the book and show are, mm-hmm. that's such a Bob line. Self-defense him to death. Mm. Nice. But yeah, no. And when Harry realizes that Bob is working on the Doombox thing, Harry says it was from a grimoire that Bob had. And then Bob mentions that- Oh, well, a grimoire Harry... that, that Harry's uncle had. Well, Harry mentioned that it was Bob's grimoire. Mm-hmm. And Bob's like, yeah, one of my firsts. You burned it, though, when you self-defense your, after you self-defense your uncle to death. And Harry's just like, it was filled with dark magic. So we know that Bob here does magic, he does dark magic, and then after the self-defense line, he tells him to, like, shut up and get back in his skull, you ghost. And then we learn he's a ghost. Like, quite a bit actually happens there. It establishes Bob and Harry's history, the fact that his dreams are probably going to become important, or probably represent something in the show at the moment, which, because they end on a weird sinister note, probably actually important that we recognize that it's important and it's been happening multiple times. Yeah, it's happened three times now. But after finding his key, though, he hurries out to find his Jeep has already been booted for being mm-hmm. illegally parked. Yeah. And then, as he's lamenting that, a kid runs up to him with, like, a clipping from a phone book? Yeah, from a phone book. Because Harry Dresden is listed in the phone book as professional wizard. I would like to point out, um, the show is from 2007. Phone books are this thing. It's a compendium of phone numbers. And I know know that sounds weird in 2021 because everybody has cell phones. Mm -hmm. But in the day, in the time of 2007, there was this thing called a landline. Or in the time of 1999 when the first book was written, most people had these phones in their houses that just stayed in their house. Yeah. And they were connected to a wall. And some of them you could pick up from this weird base thing you put it into charge and it could move around your own, but it couldn't move too far. Yeah. It was like it was paired like Bluetooth or something. It was weird, man. But some of the other ones, the really weird ones, had cables attaching them to, to the thing that was then attached to a wall. It was yep. weird. So everybody had phone numbers for their homes, mm-hmm. and those were all listed publicly unless you specifically paid money to the phone company to not have your number listed. Mm-hmm. And then if you wanted to have a business listed, you had to pay money to have it done. Weird. It's like they were getting you coming and going. They're like, if you want to have a business, <laughs> got to pay for that. If you don't want to be in the phone because of a private individual, got to pay for that. Plus, we're the same company that you have to pay to have service for your phone anyways. Wild shit, yo. That just feels like kind of a racket. <laughs> yeah, most things are. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he comes up with a p- clipping from a phone book and he's like, are you Harry Dresden the wizard? There's some monsters trying to kill me and my mom. And Dresden's like, I can almost certainly assure you there are no monsters trying to kill you or your mother. Monsters, like, for the most part, aren't real. And he's like, no, they are. I heard them scratching outside my door last night. And Dresden's like, no, you just need to go home. And the kid's like, I'll pay you $5,000. And Dresden's like... Hold the fuck on. How are you going to get $5,000? And the kid just pulls $5,000 out of his coat. And for, like, the first 20 seconds of the scene, it's shot from above through, like, a tree where we see, like, birds sitting, like a raven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I have to say, I love part of this scene because when the kid pulls out $5,000... 
It's just a single bundle of money. Mm-hmm. In 100s. And, like, it doesn't, like, the show doesn't try to oversell how much cash $5,000 is. Yeah, it's not, like, it's not a lot when you have hundreds. Well, like, no, like, every show ever, when you, when you start talking about, like, quote-unquote large sums of money, tries to oversell how much <laughs> right. money is. It's like, look, look how much that is. And it's like, no, no, that's not, that's not how that works, guys. Like, recently, we were watching the season finale of Hill's Kitchen, Tangent. Mm-hmm. And the winner of Hell's Kitchen gets a quarter million dollars. Yep. And Gordon Ramsay showed them a briefcase full of money. That's not a quarter million dollars. Yeah, it wasn't overly stuffed like some, but it was still arranged very much in a way to look like a lot more money. And it was definitely padded out. Like, mm-hmm. mind you, this kid's stack of money is still probably incorrect. Probably because it definitely still looks more than like fifty bills. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But it's one of the most accurate representations of five thousand dollars I've ever seen in television. Yeah, we then cut to Harry at a diner, the mm-hmm. same diner Laura works at, yep. actually, and he's sitting at a booth with the kid who he has now learned is named Scott. My bad, I skipped something. Mm-hmm. The opening. I didn't take notes on that. Oh, it's just very loud. Yeah, that's my only thing to say about the opening. It's very loud. So 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 fucking loud. Yeah. Okay. So we're in the we're in the um diner, and Harry and this kid Scott are sitting in a booth talking. Yeah, and Joseph's just like, look, I'll do you a favor here. Monsters aren't real, and you shouldn't carry that much money around. Go home. Go to school. Don't don't take your money out of your college savings account. Go to school. Go to college. Have a good life. Bye. Peace. Mm-hmm. See you later. And he gets up and he leaves. So we then cut to Harry at his apartment, and Bob's flying around, and he's like, so I, I need to apologize for earlier. Nope. You just give us something. Oh, it's yeah. I skipped important. Lieutenant Murphy and yeah. the phone call. My bad. He gets a call from Detective Murphy. No, he calls Detective Murphy. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Because he's trying to yeah, get Yeah, yeah, yeah. He calls de- Detective Murphy to see if she can get the boot off of his car and she's just like no and hangs up on him and we stay on her for a bit and she's at a crime scene and the only really important thing of this crime scene because most of it's just like literally the majority of the conversation at the crime scene is we don't know anything but she was skinned she was skinned alive with her clothes on and there was no blood anywhere yeah we don't know where she was murdered we assume she was staged because they don't think she was skinned with her clothes on that'd be dumb they also don't know if it's the same person that's supposed to live there or not. Yeah, they just know it's a lady. She's been skinned. That's it. Yep. Other than that, they know nothing. That's that scene. Okay, then we're at Bob and Harry in his place. And then, then Bob's trying to apologize to Harry. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I may have said something upsetting about your uncle when you were trying to talk about your dreams with your father. And that may cause you to act rashly and you dis- have- disregard this kid's feelings of monsters terrifying him and his mother yeah and harry's just like i don't care i'm not gonna take money from a kid and bob's just like yeah that's that's fine you don't need to take money from a kid but you should at least look into it yeah and then bob's just going to a woman named melissa to see if she knows if the high council knows anything about what's going on yeah and part of the reason why bob insists that harry deals with this kid is this kid is having fears about monsters when harry's been having dreams about when he was a kid and having monsters and being ignored about the monster stuff and yep. as we know bob was insistent they were portents so so we then are back at the diner, and Harry is meeting up with the lady Bob suggested. She is a seer, and it's something to do with the High Council. We don't know what the High Council is. They're just the High Council. Mm-hmm. And Laura is their waitress, which leads to awkward hijinks. I mean, not really hijinks. She just doesn't know who this lady is, asks him. He stutters through an explanation, fails. She looks angry. Apparently, Melissa doesn't like her being around either. Tension. Laura kind of glares at him and walks off. Yep. Then Dresden argues with Melissa about getting this information from the High Council. And eventually she concedes, rolls her eyes back into her skull, does kind of a trancey thing. Mm-hmm. And kind of when she opens her eyes back up, she's like, yeah, I got nothing on them. 
And he's just like, really? That 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 sucks. Are you sure? And she's like, yeah, no. Take those fries and leave so I can eat my food in peace. Yep. So then we cut to the school where Scott is in the bathroom and he notices a bird watching him. Mm-hmm. The bird's outside, but it's looking through the bathroom window. And then in the most audacious thing, even for 2007, Scott's teacher opens the bathroom door and tells the boys that it's time to go. And there's like a good eight to ten boys in here like yeah i'd say between the age of like nine to twelve year olds in here yeah it's that's not okay like i've never seen a teacher of the opposite sex like go into another bathroom like ever unless like there's a fight or like well even when there was a fight i've literally seen them go to the other teachers like like unless it's like an immediate immediate emergency yeah yeah like never because it's just like that's not that's not cool that's how you lose a teaching license (laughs) that's how you lose a teaching license all a kid has to say is mrs so-and-so or mr so-and-so yeah touched me inappropriately in the bathroom yeah like i i can't think of a single school i've ever been in that would have been okay with that yep or ever been to or ever seen or heard anything about like that's weird yep so scott leaves the bathroom and he's mm-hmm. talking with his teacher miss timmon timmons yeah and she's like i need you to stay for school you just like, got a really good grasp of spelling yeah he was like wait what did i just learn she's like no you did so well i want you to stay after and teach the other kid i want you to stay after and do my job for me ha <laughs> ha and I she kind of stumbles through her reasoning for him staying yeah and then she's like we'll just talk about it later and he, he's like okay and then he looks outside the double doors at the end of the hall mm-hmm. and there's this big man with wings burb man burb man indeed but does he know of bird law he does not. Mm. Then Scott runs off screaming. Yeah, he drops his backpack and runs off screaming. Then cuts to Bob and Harry, and Bob is still trying to convince Harry to help the child. You think when, just, when the just, child just blows through the door? Yeah, yeah. And then tackles Harry into a hug. I want you to know I cut you off there because I was being the kid cutting off Bob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're fine. <laughs> it was thematics. And then from there we see Harry talking to Scott's mom. Yep, we cut Cheryl. to Cheryl. Cheryl Sharp and Scott Sharp. Yes. Honestly, nothing happens important in this conversation other than the fact that he vaguely hints at the idea of magic and she has no idea what he's talking about. Yeah, and it could be vaguely misconstrued that he's flirting with her. Yeah, I guess. He's not, but like the scene is built to make it where she kind of thinks he's flirting with her. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And then Scott's now inside with them and Harry has drawn a protective word on a piece of paper. And then he touches it, glowy stuff happens, and he's like, look, Scott, this will stop people from hurting you and getting to you. Just You just need to keep this outside your room and nobody can get in. On the wall of your room or and on the door. And by nobody, we mean malevolent entities. Yeah. And he goes to leave, and as he's leaving, he's being walked outside their house mm-hmm. by Mrs. Sharp. And as Miss, she's divorced. Yes, but assumedly, if her son has her last name, it's because her son was had when she was married. Assuming she didn't keep her last name initially, her son's last name shouldn't be Sharp anymore. Mm. Her last name shouldn't be the same as her son, so assumedly she kept her divorced last name. Maybe. Hard to know. Nobody calls her by Miss or Mrs. Yeah. Yeah, anyways, go ahead. He's walking out with her, and they open the door, and Miss Timmons is there with Scott's backpack. Because he forgot it at school. Mm-hmm. And she's being a good stalkery teacher and returning it. Yep. And she mistakes Harry for being a male companion to... Cheryl. Cheryl, thank you. For something that also, was... it seems like Miss Timmons and Cheryl are actually friends. Yeah, they seem school. to know each other. It's weird. Which, which makes it make much more sense that she's dropping the backpack off. Yeah. Because, like, that would be really fucking weird if... They weren't friends. Yeah. And so Cheryl gives Harry a bit of money to take a cab and leave. And he's doing that. And then we see Miss Timmons go ahead inside when Cheryl invites her in. But she's stopped by the power of the, of the ward. Yeah. She goes to take a step forward and we get a flash of the ward on the screen with like 
Honestly, quick this string was, hit. This was a really well done execution of like portraying the ward having an effect. Yeah, and she just kind of glances at the doorway and is like, you know, I think I forgot to lock my classroom. Yep, we then cut to the diner where Harry is leaving a message for Laura and another staff member. Lieutenant Murphy then shows up and she's looking for help with her skinned woman case. Yeah, and Harry's like, she asks what his first thought is. And his first thought is, my car is still in a boot. She's like, I'll take care of that. And she's like, what's your second thought then? And he's like, Aztecian deities. Yeah, a Mesoamerican god of flame, of skin flame and death. I think and she's like, we're looking for an Aztec skin, skin pilling serial killer. He's like, I don't know what you're looking for. Yeah, and she's like, well, do you have any other thoughts? And he's like, uh, if I'm going to get paid for this. Yeah, and she's like, yeah, I'll take you around to the crime scene. And then we're at the crime scene. What? And while we're at the crime scene, Dresden's looking around. He finds a picture on the mantle place. And who should it be but Miss Timmons? And he knows her by name. And Murphy's like, wait, how do you know her? He's like, I saw her earlier today. And Murphy's like, that's impossible. She is dead. What? Oh, no. Commercial break. I don't mean there's an actual commercial break here. I mean, that like... This is where the commercial break goes in the yeah, actual yeah, yeah. show. Like, it has the, like, screen freeze moment. And he's like, well, before it's screen freeze, he's like, I need to ask you to make a call, and we need to get going now. Yeah. So then-, then we cut to Scott's place, and Harry's narrating that the only thing that skins something and then walks around in it, is, that's a short list of things to do that. In fact, there's only one thing on it, and it's one of the most dangerous things out there. A skin skinwalker. Then we get Scott and his mother, mm-hmm. and they're talking, and she's like, has the word in her hand and she's like getting ready to put it up on the door outside his bedroom and she drops it yeah she like goes to tape it and like i feel like she does that thing where you're trying to tape something accidentally instead tape your finger tape your finger <laughs> and then the paper fell because of that she's like fuck then she goes to pick it up and notices like there's like plaster on the floor and she looks up and she sees the exact same word on the ceiling and then she looks to her right and there's a giant bird man there yeah yeah there is and then we get harry dresden waking her up from or like shaking her yeah because harry and murphy arrive they rush in and uh she's kind of like curled up against the back end of the hallway holding the paper crumpled on her hand crying and she's like birdman stole my son he's gone they took him yeah and all i can think now is bird law jokes god what is bird law from pretty sure it's rick and morty Ah, yeah, there's a character called Bird Person in that, isn't there? Huh. Okay. So, Harry notices the glyph above the door when he pops into Scott's room. And then, uh, after he deals with- No, actually, um- He notices the glyph after- Hold on. on. My bad. It's not Rick and Morty. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, it's a um, Charlie Day's character- I think Charlie Day, that's the right- Yeah, that's Charlie Day. Charlie Day claims to have- Yeah, Charlie- Charlie Kelly is is the character name. Charlie Kelly claims to have a degree in bird law. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yep. So, my bad if I got that wrong. I've never seen an episode of It's Sunny in Philadelphia. I'm a sane human being. Yeah. So, after he notices the ward above the door, we get a flashback to him as a kid. Well, he before, was a kid. Before that, we get a little bit of, like, more, more of the overarching dialogue where he's like, when you're a janitor, if you mess up your job... The worst that happens is somebody gets a piece of gum on their shoe. And that's not true. The worst that happens if you're a janitor and mess up your job is you forgot to put a sign down and somebody slips on the wet linoleum and cracks their head open and dies. Or, or depending on where you're a janitor at, because some places have you fill a janitor and a maintenance position at the same time. So I don't know. Maybe they have you do maintenance on an elevator that holds 12 maybe- people. Elevator cable snaps, they fall and die. I don't know why you're an elevator technician and a janitor at the same place. Elevator technicians are, yes, generally an outside source job. It's a weird company, okay? Congratulations. Or, or you do maybe, multiple jobs. Maybe you're a janitor at like or someplace dealing with radioactive chemicals or something yeah like but anyways so you're part of a hazardous says, waste disposal team but you're dresden, technically a janitor dresden says 
The worst that happens if you're a janitor and you fill your job, somebody gets gum on their shoe. If you're a wizard and you fell, people can die. I feel like any job you have, if you fell hard enough, someone can die. 100%. If you're like, if you work at like McDonald's and somebody's like, hey, yeah, um, I can't have gluten because I'm deathly allergic. And or like, you, I can't have cheese. Like, don't put cheese on my sandwich. Yeah. Or, or like, pickles or some shit. I have ridiculously high blood pressure. Please fries, no salt. Like, you could still kill somebody. Like, 100%. Job. I'm, I'm trying to think of a job that wouldn't kill someone if you fucked up really bad. Or like, if they're allergic to cucumber and you put pickles in their sandwich. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Or onions. Uh, editor? I'm not like, it has to be like just jobs where you're dealing with like numbers or words. Like, accountant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, depending on what you're an accountant for, if you're an accountant for a mafia and you do your job wrong, someone might get killed because of... Not not directly because of you. I mean, if you fuck up and make it look like they took money, that's your fault. That 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 is on you. They're gonna die. an actuary. I mean, an actuary is basically just an accountant, aren't they? Yeah, but they're boring accountants. I don't know. Can a mafia have an actuary? It's still possible, right? Um, what are those people that like determine the percent chance that you're gonna die? Oh, oh, um, insurance underwriters, adjusters. Maybe. I think, like, that type of job is the type of job that, like, nobody's gonna die if you actually, like, just just mess up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you might piss some people off, but nobody's gonna directly die because of your yeah, action. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. There's a few, but they're boring enough that you Wild. might die. <laughs> Wild. But, so Harry flashes back to him when he was a kid and his dad's magic show. And his, his, his dad's, his dad's doing, magic show is so boring. Yeah, his dad's doing a three-ring trick, like... He's not even doing the five rings. Fancy people do five rings. He's doing three. Yeah, it's it's kind of the lamest of lames. And then his dad's like, don't worry, audience, I have a big finish. And he throws a ring in the air, and Harry makes it just stop and float in midair. And the crowd, who was recently listless and barely paying attention, erupt in applause and approve. And then we see Harry's dad yelling at him. He's just like, don't, don't do that. Don't let anyone know you have powers. Don't use your powers. Just don't. Don't do it. It's bad. People might try to use you for stuff. Don't do it. No powers. Bad. Why do you have powers? You're a weird kid. Stop having powers. Just be normal. Why aren't you normal? Why do you hate me? Yeah, this is all backstage. But yeah. Uh, and he's like, never use your powers ever again, ever. It's really got a strong parallel to like mutants and X-Men here. Yes. Yes, it does. Weird. And then we see Harry finding a bird feather outside of Scott's room. Yeah. And he does know of bird law now. He does. And then Murphy walks up and asks him for any ideas about what happened. And he's like, you need to put an APB out right now. And on that teacher's the, face. And let the press know and like make sure people know that she's dangerous and, and not to like, approach the, her. The teacher's dead. And he's like, yeah, but I feel like our killer looks a lot more like her right it's, about now. Yeah. Harry then starts asking Cheryl about whether, whether she her or, or her husband have like powers or you know something anything or, unexplainable yeah like you know maybe birds well like no after she's like no i have no idea what you're talking about we don't have powers or yeah he's like well have you ever noticed birds following you or scott around and she's like ever since we brought him home for the hospitals there's always been crows and ravens around yeah. which is hilarious i just read a story on reddit the other day about about um corvids and this guy who as a child fed a one-legged crow for like weeks and then when he came home with his first child, because he had inherited his parents' house, a bunch of crows showed up and left food at his back door for his newborn child that couldn't walk like the bird that couldn't walk. Because corvids are insanely intelligent and their memory lasts forever. Don't fuck with crows or ravens, okay? Just don't do it. Yeah, like... Bad idea. Don't ever They'll throw spread your face, or like... They'll spread your face, that it will all know who you are, and they will all hate you. Scientific studies show that crows can recognize human faces better than humans can. Take I, that I believe that. I don't. I don't recognize people when I see them. I'm just like, just take that into your your mind next time you think about like 
doing anything to upset a corvid yeah so she mentions that yeah there were birds around him all the time since they brought him home and then we're back at harry's place and him and bob Bob. are talking about a mercenary clan called the raven clan and they're people that turn into burbs and burbs that turn into people yeah and apparently they've been watching over scott ever since he was a child and dresden and bob are like dresden and bob are stupid yep because their conclusion is that they were waiting for the right moment to like kidnap scott but They've been watching him since he was a baby. Do you know when the best time to kidnap somebody is? Oh, I got this. Um, When they're 95, stuck in a chair, don't remember who they are or who you are. You know, actually- And no one really cares if they disappear or not. You know, actually, you're probably right. Never mind. People care a lot about babies. Elderly people, not so much. I, I mean, if she's a single mother, she's going to be running, like, super tired, and eventually she's going to have to put the baby to bed. It depends on how, like, tight her, like, familiar and friend network is, like, no, she could have no, a really no, close no, support no, no, network. No, no, she doesn't. Because her kid gets kidnapped, and nobody from her family shows up to support her. <laughs> yeah, no. and then at the end, when she gets her son back, it's just her and her son having dinner at a private ice place that they just met. No, she. I realize she does not have a good support network. <laughs> yeah, so... A hundred percent. If they were after, if they were after kidnapping Scott, they could have done it like ten years ago and been done with this okay. thing. Yes, but I think logically, maybe from their point, they had a reason, and that is we learned that you develop a gift, which I assume is magic stuff. I have to assume that they're talking about magic every time they say the, the gift, gift yeah. or the power. So maybe they were waiting to see if he did develop it before they did anything. I don't know. Anyways, Musa then shows up to the office panicking. Well, I mean, you, you missed something. Oh, did I? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So their theory is that the Raven clan, who are mercenaries, are hired by the Skinwalker because while she can't oh, yeah. get past the ward, ward they're not morally, evil enough. Yeah, they're not morally corrupt enough to, to be stopped by the ward. Yeah. So they believe she hired the Ravens to go across the ward and kidnap him. Now, mind you... That would be a decent enough explanation if the birds hadn't been around all his life. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, Dreth is supposed to be a PI and he's like, supposed to be reasonably intelligent. No, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Anyways, Melissa shows up panicking because the skinwalker told her that if she that if Melissa didn't find the boy, she was going to tear her skin off. And Melissa's like, well, you have him, right? You have to have him. Yeah, like when she first shows up, she's panicking and knocking on the door. And she's like, did you see that thing about the kid? Uh- that's the case you were working on. He's like, yeah. She's like, oh, do you have him? Is he safe? Like, and he's just like, no, I, I don't have him. And then she mentions the skinwalker. He's like, wait, wait, wait. So when I first met you, when I first talked to you about this, you were already working for the skinwalker. Yep. And she's like, but you have to help me. She was gonna kill me if you don't. And then she's like, just tell me what you did with the kid. He's like, I don't have the kid. And then Melissa freaks out, tears down Harry's wards from around his door, mm-hmm. and rips his shield bracelet, bracelet off his off. wrist. And then she immediately gets murdered by the skinwalker who apparently can long rage magic your skin off your body. And it's not just magic your skin off your body. Like, we see it split off her face and, like, fall off of her. Okay. Then the body laying there is just muscle. The skin is gone nowhere nearby. The skinwalker then walks in holding the skin. I also have a question. She magicked it away from the body. I have a really important question, though. How does this kill you instantly? It shouldn't. Because, like, I know the Mongols, at least. Unless it's extremely painful, in which case it's causing cardiac arrest. Well, I know the Mongols, at least, had a method for removing the entirety of your skin so that they could then, like, salt you and then suffocate with you with your skin. Well, actually, they salted you as they did it. Yeah. Because it, one, causes more pain, helps stop the bleeding. Like, you would do it in sections, but they would, what like, kills you when you're skinning is either cardiac arrest or blood loss. They would skin you from, like, your feet up and then, like, wrap your skin around your head and you would suffocate mm-hmm. inside your own skin. Yeah. So I have to assume she's just causing cardiac arrest every time she does it. Like, it's extremely painful. Okay. He's like, this shouldn't just straight up murder somebody. Yeah, no, it, she's really just causing heart attacks. And also, why don't they bleed? 
That is the biggest problem. If you're taking this all of the skin off somebody, they're gonna bleed. Unless the magic to take the skin off also, I guess cauterizes all the blood vessels. I mean just I was gonna say clots out all of it. Yeah. Anyway, Skinwalker walks in, grabs Harry, and demands that she demands that she's gonna have a talk with him. I mean she like immediately knocks him out. Yeah. We then flash back to young Harry Dresden. Well and he tells his dad that well he was performing the other night when he used his magic when he wasn't mm-hmm. supposed to that Uncle Justin called and wanted to talk to the, his dad about him Harry Dresden and that's that flashback. Also, Harry's dad's name Malcolm. I, we should just call him that because calling him Harry's dad gets confusing. I didn't know his name. Yeah, I, they I didn't, didn't say it in this episode or the next episode. His, his name is Malcolm. Oh, Dresden. okay. <laughs> I'm just yeah. So that's that flashback. I'm cheating with book knowledge because it's getting confusing when I say it out loud. So we have the skinwalker stringing and, Harry up yep. with chains and rope. It has him gagged. She and wants to ask him about the location of the boy. All the while she's doing this, though, she's talking to Bob. Yeah. About and how, is, man, it must suck. You're not, you can't do anything to stop me. Just like when Harry killed Justin, mm-hmm. you, you couldn't do anything then, you can't do anything now. You're basically just like a slave to him. You can't do anything. It must really suck having I mean, from having so much power, basically being able to do nothing. I actually do like one one line here a lot. So she also mentions that he's like a thousand years old or something. Yeah, something like that. But she also mentions that he's just a shadow of him, his former self, <laughs> which in the world of the Dresden Files... I don't know if this is true for the television show, but at least in the books, ghosts and spirits of former living people are called shades. I mean, shade is a term for ghosts yes, or something. Yes, so. I'm aware. But like the shadow of your former self, and she even says the word shade somewhere in there mm-hmm. talking about him. It's good funny. Good line. So she doesn't really ask Harry anything. No, she just beats him. She punches him in the gut a few times, asking Bob what they do with the kid. And he's just like, I, we, we didn't do anything. He's... We, we don't, don't know. know where the kid is. We don't know. She punches him again. She's punching him. She's punching him. She eventually knocks Harry to the ground. And it's just threatening. Hold on. We cut to Murphy Murphy here for a second. Murphy is with Cheryl. And they talk about their kids. Yeah, I just didn't do that. You it, didn't want to cut back and forth? Yeah. Okay, they, well, they talk about their kids. I'm going to be very quickly here. They talk. They both talk about their kids. Murphy has a daughter. She's nine. Her name's Anne. She Anna. lives with her. With she lives with her husband. dad. Murphy and her dad are divorced. And then we find out that Cheryl and her husband adopted Scott. And they adopt they adopt him illegally. Okay, back From to church. Yep. back to Harry getting yeah. the shit beat out of him by a skinwalker. Harry's now on the floor. She's hit him a few more times. Says she can just rip his skin off. Doesn't have to be all at once. She can make it slow. Fingers and toes first. Painful. And then Bob's like, "We have a feather. You can." We think the Raven Clan took him. We have a feather. Yeah. You can use it to track them. She takes the feather, leaves. Uh, but as she leaves, she's just like, "If it was up to me." I'd already be wearing your skin. Yeah, and she leaves. And then Harry and Bob realize at the same time that the skinwalker is working for somebody else. Because it was up to her. So it's not up to her. That means she has a boss. And that boss doesn't want Harry dead. Anyways, Murphy mm. and Harry then talk on the phone about how Scott was illegally adopted. Yeah. Harry, Harry already knew this. And he's like, well, where's he from? And where'd they pick him up? And Murphy's like, an old church, but it shut down. And he's like, oh, I guess it's a it's a dead end then. Yep. He makes it out to be a dead end to Murphy because we know and he knows that ravens, when they find a home, they keep coming back to that home for basically as long as they live. Mm-hmm. So if they got the boy from the church, reason stands that the ravens... Were... Yeah, we need to go back to the yeah, church. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then Bob is apologizing because it's all his fault that mm-hmm. the skinwalker is going to find Scott. And Harry's like, shut up, Bob. I just need you to do me one thing. And Bob's like, I'll do you, I'll do anything. I'm sorry. And he's like, I need the Doom Bucks. I need it now. Yep. And then we have another flashback. Which is actually a good use of a Chekhov's gun here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, then we flash back to Justin, Harry's and, uncle. And Malcolm, his dad. 
arguing about how Harry should be raised and how he should be taught magic. Yeah, what's good for Harry? And Malcolm's like, to be with me, his dad, and, you know, be a normal kid. And then Justin's like, but I can teach him so much about magic and teach him how to use things and how to understand this world that he's in. And Malcolm's just like, nah, you just want to use him in your rebellion, whatever the fuck you, Shadow War, you had with the uh, High Council. Yep, that sums that scene up pretty well. Yeah. We then... Harry overheard all of this. Him and his dad leave. Yeah, we, I assume we're reading these flashbacks from because Harry was at all of these flashbacks. Yes, I Which would, would imply that because he was sitting outside this hotel room door, he heard all of this. Mm-hmm. We then jump to... Scott, in the middle of an abandoned church, surrounded by bird bros, eating a sundae. Eating a banana split. And one of the bird bros come up, yeah. and they're standing right next to Scott, being menacing, and then they hand him a can of whipped cream. I would like a moment to talk about this costume design. I thought it was very good for a sci-fi show. Did you? Yeah. What was wrong with it? The eye makeup was bad. The fact that they've painted all their faces, like, well, powdered all their faces a pale white. I didn't mind the coat thing so much. Like, if they're birds transforming into humans, they all might have, like, a similar looking like, coat aesthetic that they've cast on with, like, an illusion. But I don't understand the point of the black, like, heavy makeup around the eyes or the lips that feels unnecessary and the powder white faces make almost no sense if we're talking about birds turning to human and retaining the color of black to their color scheme because they're crows and ravens arguably it should be a bunch of black guys standing around then so or people of darker complexion or just normal people without powder white faces and black makeup so i don't have an answer for you i just thought the like i thought they did a good job of making them look like monstrous people yeah, like they did a good job of making them feel not necessarily normal, but I don't like the aesthetic given what they are supposed to be. It just feels weird. Like well, someone was just like, I have to signify that this isn't a person, but I don't know what to do. I don't know how to make them see Raveny, so I'm just not going to try. Well, uh, there was that movie called The Crow. He wore really white face paint and well, black clothes and had black face paint on his face as well. So I well, guess we'll just All I know slap about the Ravens on. is what you know about the Ravens, and that's from this episode. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying, like, I'm not a fan of the costume design they did. They were just like, we actually have legitimately nothing for this, so whatever. So I don't think the Raven clan are normal humans that turn into birds. I don't think they're normal birds that turn into humans. I think there's some amalgamation. I think if they were in the in the books, they'd be from the Never Never, the world outside of our world. But I think within the context of the show, they're just so magical two negatives beams. make a positive. So it's the Olwes. They're from the Olwes. Anyways, um, Harry shows up. Harry shows up, confronts the lead Raven dude, and they have a conversation. This is my only issue. It feels like. The Raven guys, part of their, like, costume is, like, a prosthetic that goes in their mouth. It feels like he should be, like, a side character on an episode of Star Trek from, like, the sentence structure and dictation of how he speaks. And, like, he feels like he has, like, a lisp or something, but, like, it doesn't feel like a natural lisp. It feels like a warble in his voice, actually, that I think might have been a direction to, like, make him sound more bird-like, but it, it sounds more like a robotic warble in his voice, in my opinion. Anyways, we learn that the Ravens are protecting the boy from the High Council and from basically any other threat that they They're need just to. hiding him from stuff. Yeah, they're like, we gotta hide him. He's in hiding. And, like, I don't know if this is because, like, he, the kid, the boy is gonna grow up to be an, another raven man, mm. or if it's because he's got magic. Like, yeah, they keep saying he has the power, but, yeah. like, I don't know if that's magic, or, like, that's, I'm a crow man. Yeah, and Harry's just like, yeah, but also this the, kid needs his mom, and his mom needs him. Yeah, and, like, the crow man's like, yes, we hid it, like, a cuckoo egg. And made another species raise it for us. And Harry's I, like, you did it too well? He loves her? And, like, here's my thing. That would imply that this is the Raven's own, like, person. Yeah. And I don't, like, we know that they're mercenaries, so I don't know if they they were hired by somebody or if, like, 
I got no idea. The show it's doesn't weird. explain it. Which I mean, if this is part of the overarching mystery within the season going forward, totally makes sense not to explain it here. But it kind of feels like this is just a one and done. So yeah, Harry's just eventually like, yeah, but he loves her. And the Birdman's just like, yeah, but there's the Skinwalker, and Harry's just like, I'll deal with that. And the Birdman's like, nah, she'll kill you. Then Harry pulls on the Doombox, and he's like, I got it. The Birdman's like, that's a Doombox. And I don't know why the Birdman knows what a Doombox is, but yeah, no idea. Anyways, Harry then is allowed to talk to Scott, and he tells Scott, no matter what happens, you can't tell anybody about anything that's happened today or mm-hmm. tomorrow or about these people. And the kids are just like, yeah, duh, people think I'm fucking crazy. Yep. So we then... As they're leaving, the bird bro sticks around for me, and she's like, death box, not a permanent solution, man. More things will come after everything. Him. And Harry's just like, yeah, I know. Yep. So in the church, the skinwalker shows up and it's looking for the boy mm-hmm. and it's instead met by Dresden. Yeah. And uh, Harry's just like, I want to talk to your boss. Yeah. Dresden attempts to like wheedle out some information here, find out who the boss is, try to get like a meeting or something so that he can learn more information. But the skinwalker's like, no, if you want to make a deal or anything, you have to go through me. And, and he's like, like uh, okay, okay. Well, I have this. Do you want this? We can trade information for this box. And she can feel the magic radiating out of the box, but she doesn't know what it is and doesn't know it's dangerous. She knows it's a bunch of dark magic. Yeah, which that's an issue I have with both of these episodes. Dresden actively using dark magic. Hey, he's what he is, man. Um, so he gives her the box and then he dips out and the box blows up in her face. Yep. Literally blasting her skin from her skeleton. And then incinerating her skeleton. Yep. Then Dresden has a narration bit about how his dad told him there were no monsters and his uncle told him there were. And out of the two of them, his uncle should know best because his uncle was a monster. And if he learned anything from his uncle, it was that that you have to drag monsters out in the light, kicking and screaming if you have to. Which feels really wrong because, like, if you actually believe that you have to drag monsters out of the light, that would imply that you wouldn't lie to Murphy about everything that just happened. Which, oh yeah, um, he then has a conversation with Murphy where he lies about everything that just happened. Man, it's real convenient that that gas main blew up. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, it is really convenient. Too convenient, almost. And he's like, what really matters here? The fact that you got to arrest the person or the fact that the kids are united with his mom? And she's like, the second one. And into their like, conversation. And then she's like, yeah, but he was kidnapped anyways. Like, he, he, this is an illegal adoption. And he's like, yeah, that's a problem when you find the real parents, isn't it? Yeah. Which, no, it's not. His mother's still a kidnapper. She still needs yeah. to be tried. Yeah. He's going to go into the foster care system. Mm-hmm. Except not in this Chicago. Yeah. Then Dresden has... Except, tri- of course, part of it is they have to prove it was an illegal adoption. The fact that she's got away for this so long implies that she has good, functional, fake paperwork. And as that wasn't taken under any actual form of evidence, they can't count that as her pleading guilty to anything or admitting to anything. So they'd have to then find evidence that he was indeed le- illegally adopted. If there was anybody else that heard her say it, that's evidence. There wasn't, though. Yeah. It was just her. Anyways, Dresden then has Cheryl and Scott over for dinner and promises her that if anything weird comes up, that he'll help them if she lets him know. And she um, agrees. They all eat spaghetti and ravens are sitting outside Harry's apartment watching the boy. Yep. That's episode. episode one. Cue the loud music from the opening again. Oh, God, it's so loud. I'm not going to give my feedback on episode one. I'm saving it all for the very, very mm-hmm. end. I got this. I got this. Ready? It's just impressively, I mean, absolutely impressively, boring and bland. Huh. Nothing about the show stands out in particular. There's nothing horrible. There's nothing great. The Weird. show exists. Honestly, the best part of the show, just seeing Paul Blackthorne. Weirdly, a lot of the show stands out to me, but we'll get to that at the end of episode two. Episode two, the Boone Identity. That's right, the Boone Identity. So we get some opening narration how putting the word wizard on your door leads to just crazy. Crazy customers, crazy things, crazy cases. People thinking you're crazy. Just a little bit of crazy altogether. But the craziest things, things that Dresden wants to deal with least... Are people who want to talk about or to ghosts. Ghosts, yep. So 
this episode opens with Dresden at a store where the guy who's called him in, mm-hmm. uh, what was his name? Hart, I believe. Yeah, Mr. Hart. Um, he's called him in because he's been sensing the presence of his dead daughter in this antique store for the last year. Yeah, and that's because his daughter was murdered here. Yep, she was killed here a year ago in a robbery. The guy, Boone, who did the robbery, had just got out of jail the day before for armed robbery and aggravated assault, I think. Something like that. And he killed Mr. Hart's daughter, Lisa, and stole an Egyptian tablet from his ca- his display case. The police think Boone was just confused because there used to be a jewelry store next door. And he just grabbed something he thought was valuable and then ran. Yeah, and so Harry's talking to him, he's just like, well, what exactly makes you think that? And the guy's trying to explain, he doesn't do well. So Harry sits Hart down and they're talking more, and Harry's just trying to figure out what could be keeping his daughter there. And he's just like, well, having unsettled business can keep people around. Yeah, did the police ever catch him? And he goes, no. He's like, well, that definitely keep around. He's dead. And he's like, oh, that's not, how did he die? He attempted to steal somebody's car after robbing the antique store and killing Lisa. And accidentally got shot in the face with his shotgun. Yep. So Harry's just like, huh. So he gets up, kind of starts and he's like, walking around. Well, you know, sometimes grief can do things to the mind, like make you see and see hear things thing. you just want to hear. And then Harry's kind of walking in the area that Lisa was. And um, he suddenly sees the ghost of the girl. And, and then he gets a vision from her viewpoint of the robbery. Yeah, starts reliving the moments leading up to her death. We see this guy in a black mask with a shotgun come tearing in. He slams the butt of the shotgun into Mr. Hart's head. He falls to the ground. Harry slash Lisa call out for their father. And the guy looks directly at her, pumps the shotgun, and shoots her in the face. Well, in the trash. She goes flying back, hits the bookshelf, falls down. He looks at this glass case right next to him, smashes it, pulls out the tablet, and like kind of calmly walks out. It should be noted that the tablet, he dropped the tablet on the way out in the alley, and it got smashed to pieces. Mm -hmm. Yep. So we then transition to the opening, which again, only thing to say about that opening. Well, I mean, briefly, Harry's just like, it's not in your head. Nope, that's after the opening. Is it? Yep. The opening's dumb, okay? Yeah, it was because at the end of his vision, he's like roughly unconscious on the ground. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we transition to this opening, which there's only one thing to say about it. So fucking loud. Yeah, too loud. Then we, we come back to the, the store and Dresden's laying on the ground. It's not in your head. Yep. Yeah, he, he just confirms it's not in the guy's head. So then back at Harry's house, him and Bob are talking. We get another Harry narration cut over. And it's just how some ghosts stick around because of unfinished business or a want for justice. But some ghosts, some stick around for thousands of years and they're just annoying. He's talking about Bob in specific. Yeah. And Bob and Harry are talking about the girl and how she came to Harry without being requested to. All Shared a vision with him. Dinner. Yeah, no prompting, nothing. Harry asks Bob to check on his garlic bread. Bob's like, the fuck, why? I yeah. don't eat. And Harry burns the garlic bread. Bob says something about how... Life is pain, dinner's and, pain, yeah, garlic's he, he burned. Should, he should just let the girl stay with her dad if that's what she wants to do. And then Harry's like, wait, she didn't just show that to me for no reason. There was a reason. She's not going to leave. Like, yeah. Harry then shows up at the police department and harasses Lieutenant Murphy about getting the case hey, files. We both says he harasses her because there's no other option here. Yeah. He legit harasses her from the moment he walks in. He's like, you should give me those case files. No, the case is closed. You don't have access to those. You weren't hired on for this case or anything. Mm-hmm. And he eventually gets her to concede. And she, she gives him a requisition writ. Yeah. The evidence. And he has to go to evidence downtown. On the, on the requisition writ, we learn that Lieutenant Murphy's first name is Constanza. Yes. Okay, now down in evidence. Harry is talking to a bubbly, overly chatty desk clerk. I think her name was Debbie. And she's insanely thirsty. Yeah, very much so. 
every man is sexy, every man is single, and as long as he has the ass of Brad Pitt, it doesn't matter what his face looks like. Yeah, and essentially here we just get, she explains a bit more details, not much really, she just kind of fleshes out the story. We do learn that Murphy's dad was an old school detective, the type that would slap you in the face with a phone book. Mm -hmm. We also learn that the guy Boone tried to steal a car from was one of the most sought after bachelors in Chicago. He's a billionaire, he does philanthropy, he had a nice car. We also learn that Murphy's father is now in Florida, where he ran away with a stripper. A hooker. Hooker, my bad. Mm -hmm. And then we get to see the broken tablet, and that's kind of just it for this scene. We do learn that the tablet is called the Lock of Anubis, though. Yep, Dresden then goes to Miller's house uninvited without any warning. He has another narration. Yeah, he he says, I don't really like dropping in on people uninvited. I mean, that's the end of the narration. Oh. The first part of the narration is that uh, the police believe it all to just be happenstance, but he, him, with magic and everything, he doesn't believe in coincidence. Yeah, and then he's like, I don't really believe in dropping in on people unannounced or without invitation, but for $500 a day, two-day minimum retainer, you'll do what you need to do. Yeah. So he gets to Miller's and him and Miller talk and he's questioning Miller about mm-hmm. how exactly the accidental death of Boone went down. Yeah. And he's then asking he, if he knows why Boone like targeted him and he's just like luck, like bad luck on my part. And then Harry has Miller reenact the struggle with him. Yep. And that's a, basically it. Although Dresden does have another question for Miller. But Miller fed up with all of this. is just like, look, my masseuse is here and she's paid by the hour. So I'm going to go. Yeah. Trust you can find your own way out. And so Harry's making his way out. He passes by where Murphy's disrobing to get his massage. Miller. Where Miller's disrobing. Yeah. Where Miller is getting his massage. And he's got a like tattoo of like an Egyptian tablet with mm-hmm. hieroglyphics on the back of his neck. And then further on his way out, Harry finds a statue of Anubis yeah. in, in a room, like, just in a glass case. And he looks around the room, but, like, around the room means towards the camera. Yeah, so we don't actually see what he sees. But from later conversation, I assume there's a larger collection of Egyptian artifacts Yeah, they just didn't have the money to make the props for that. Yeah, yeah. So, so at his house, Dresden and Bob talk about how Miller had Egyptian art and tattoos. Mm-hmm. And during this conversation, Murphy shows up suddenly because Miller well, has... Ca- there's this fun part where they're having a conversation and Bob's questioning Harry's theory here because Bob's like, oh, so you think the really, really rich guy who could just buy the tablet hired Boone to steal it for him for no reason. Yeah. And Harry's just like, yeah, yep. That's exactly what I think. Makes sense. Yep. Uh-huh. And then Murphy barges in because Miller has been to the police, the head of the police and complained about being harassed by Dresden, which why would you go to the police for that? Dresden isn't police. He's a private investigator. Yeah. I would like to point out Bob has bailed from the scene because she does knock really fast. Yeah. Abruptly, and Bob's just like, I'll be in my skull. Yep. And then as Murphy's leaving, she grabs the doorknob really roughly and cuts her hand. Yeah. I only mentioned that because it's important in mm-hmm. like she cuts her finger on the doorknob. 25, 30 minutes. It's a Chekhov's doorknob. It is Chekhov's doorknob. You think every episode is going to have a Chekhov's gun of some sort? Yeah, I feel like this, this episode is just have Chekhov's insert object. You know what we haven't mentioned yet? One of the EPs on this show is Nicolas Cage. Chekhov's Cage? And one of the head writers of this show was the head writer from Ghost Hunters International. That doesn't make sense. That shit's real. They don't write that. Yep. Yep. You're lying, right? Anyways, after Murphy leaves, Dresden's like, this is where a normal person would just give up. But I'm not a normal person. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm stronger, faster, better. Magic. More reptile. So Harry is back at Mr. Hart's store, and they're talking about the tablet. And Hart mentions that he bought it from India. And Harry's like, oh, you went to India? And he's like, no, I bought it online. In fact, I even had it posted online for a while. And when he says online, Harry's face kind of like lights up, which is weird. Oh, 
Harry can't interact with the computers very, very, very easily. Because you see, when you're magic... Uh, I thought we were saving this till the end. Oh, no, I, I think the show hints at this here. And also, I looked through his house the second time we were watching through. Most of it is candles. Yeah, okay. So I think the show is hinting at it okay. if, without outright saying it. So within the books... And I, it looks like within the show, wizards have a hard time using technology because they just short circuit it. He does manage to use a cell phone, no problem. Though. Yeah, and keep a cell phone in his pocket right next to him all day mm-hmm. without shorting it. Anyways, the show is hit and miss with its consistency with this, but it does seem to like be lining up towards that. Yeah, so Harry asks if Miller ever tried to make an offer on it. No, if Boone tried to make an offer. So they're on the computer looking through like... Mr. Hart's like, no, I can't sell it to inmates because... Uh, Well, he's like, no, he didn't, and I can't sell to inmates, but one did try to buy it. And they start scrolling through the offers, and he's like, here it is, Saban345. And he's like, well, that could have been Boone. And Mr. Hart's like, do you not watch TV? Or, you know, it could have been the... Or it could have been Saban, and Harry's like, who? Do you not watch TV? It was all over court TV for, like, weeks. I don't watch much television. And apparently Saban was a professor at a university in Chicago. A professor of ancient Egyptian history. And he took one of his students, murdered them. Uh, no, he didn't murder them. He didn't murder them. That was the problem. He took one of his students and mummified them alive. Yeah. Resulting in their death. Mm-hmm. So murder through mummification. Yeah. And from what I'm understanding, it wasn't. It maybe it may not have just been one student, but like that's all he got convicted for. Yeah. And then the computer and the lights go all wibbly wobbly. Because a wizard's in the room? No, because a ghost decided this is exactly the information they needed. Yeah. Her face appears on the reflection of the computer. And he's like, I think this is what we're supposed to be learning about yep so we then cut to the prison where dresden is meeting with Saban. it turns out he was boone's roommate when they cellmate cellmate that's the right term. i mean a roommate's not incorrect and it does sound more human a cell is a room it's just a very specific room yeah and he notices that Saban, like miller has a uh yeah he, he doesn't really get anything base of his neck he doesn't really get anything of consequence out of this conversation other than he finds out that boone also had the same tattoo yeah that he gave boone this tattoo and in fact Saban says he gave boone the tattoo himself after harry mentions he's seen a tattoo like it and then harry's like it wasn't boone that i saw it on and Saban's like who i'll tell you more if you uh bring me autopsy pictures. autopsy pics of boone and harry's like no i had bells but so we know Saban knows more so of course we're gonna be coming back to Saban. dresden then calls murphy and he's like look i know the case is closed but Saban, boone and miller all have the same tattoos Saban Saban was an art was an Egyptian historian. Miller has an Egyptian art collection. Like Boone stole a piece of Egyptian art. So Murphy's just like, oh, so all three of them were working together, and he's like, yes, no, I don't look. They all have the same tattoos. Okay, just look into it. Like this seems like enough to open the case back up. Come on, it's not just cut and dry. And, And she's just like, no, and then hangs up on him. To be fair, he's bright. Like, that's way too much stuff to be coincidence. Yeah. And then we see him walking along the sidewalk, and a car, a black Escalade, I think, comes rolling around, guy in a black mask with a shotgun, shoots at him once, and then drives off. Yeah, you mentioned that this was a terrible drive-by attempt, and you're 100% right. Yeah, yeah. It was literally just to match the MO of Boone, who wore a black ski mask and used a shotgun. They should have just made Boone use an assault rifle then when he killed Lisa. Right, but they didn't want to make it impossible for Dresden to have survived. It's not impossible. They would have had to use their MacGuffin that they used later in the episode way too soon for the episode. So then we're at the police department where Harry is continuing to insist that they check out Miller, especially since someone using Boone's ammo just shot him. And Murphy's just like, yeah, get just what, what are you doing? Boone's dead. It's over. And she's like, yeah, so his partner did it. You know, Ethan Miller. And she's like, leave Ethan Miller alone. He's a good guy. He's a good person. Stop bringing this up. And she's like, besides, Boone didn't even have the tattoo you're talking about. And she shows him an autopsy picture. 
he doesn't have a tattoo. Nope. No, or top of the head. And he's like, well, I guess Sabin was lying. He is a criminal. She's like, yeah, murderer. Weird, right? Weird that he would lie about something. Then Murphy's partner, who we don't get a name for is yet. Is it her partner? Yeah. I thought it was just another cop. No, it's her partner, and he's in he's in later episodes. Okay. IMDB, not cheating. Okay. He shows her something he just heard from the mm-hmm. correctional facility that Sabin's in, and she stands up, and she's like, okay, Dresden, you're coming with us. We gotta go talk to Miller. We gotta go apologize. And- I gotta go apologize to him. And Dresden's like, fine. And you made a point that Dresden doesn't have to go. Yeah. And I made the counterpoint that Dresden is hired by the police and they paid roughly half his monthly salary. In the book, we didn't know he could be a much more successful private eye in the show, which according to you, his apart- his place is so much bigger. So arguably, I could be much more correct. He'd be much more successful as a private eye outside of the police department. His house and... In- he got offered $5,000 from a kid, man. And he-, and he managed to turn it down. I think he's making a pretty good amount of money. I mean, that'd only be 10 days of work. Yeah, for one job. That, a job that took him a day and a half. Yeah. Anyways, also the kid was definitely overvaluing. Like, the kid nah, was just nah, like, nah, nah. The kid understands market value for magic. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we then cut to Miller, mm-hmm. and he's in his office on, on a Skype phone. call. It's yeah. not Skype labeled. Yeah, yeah. Was, that, was Skype a thing in 2007? I think so. I think it actually had started at that point. It just wasn't big. It, it, on, a, on a non-name brand Skype call. Mm-hmm. And he's wanting to sell his collection. Of Egyptian relics. They don't say what it is. They just say his collection. They never clarify what the collection is. It's 100% the Egyptian relics. No. He's selling his collection of Miro paintings. Pokemon cards? And Pokemon cards. And Pokemon cards painted to look, look like Miro paintings. So they're all just done in primary colors and they're not very good. I don't like that type of art. So he's arranging to sell his his collection of relics and potentially even his house. Yeah, because uh, his friend makes a joke about, oh, going through midlife crisis there? What next? You're going to sell that house? And the guy's just like, yeah, maybe. Well, it's actually something like... You remember the house? You remember how to get there? And he's like, yeah, you're looking to sell that. And he's like, maybe. He's like, oh, you really are looking to make a change. Yeah. Anyways, then he writes down on a notepad next to his computer that he has to pick this guy up from the airport at 8 p.m. JT at airport, 8 o'clock. At O'Hare. At O'Hare airport, 8 o'clock, yeah. Which, um, how would you not just, just not remember that? It's the same day. Like, it's not like you have to remember, like, yeah. you're picking somebody up two two weeks and a day from now at 12.30 a.m. from the airport because they're getting... No, 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 no. It's an airport, man. At 12.52 is the time his flight fucking lands. <laughs> 12.52 a.m. Yeah. But no, like, why do you have to write that down? It just, you don't. Yeah. It's just plot convenience. And then he hears a knock on the door, and he grabs a handgun from somewhere, and tucks it in the back of his pants, like a truly smart individual. And it's Murphy and Dresden, and they've shown up to apologize. And eventually, Murphy convinces him to invite them in so that yeah. she can discuss the accusations Dresden's throwing around. And like, Yeah, because at first she's like... Clear the water. At first she's like, I have to apologize on his behalf. Uh, make sure your situation with him is repaired, and then you have no longer problems. He's like, he's very sad office and he's just like tell him to not bother me anymore he's like also to talk about the accusations he's like accusations yeah you can come in so once they're inside murphy kind of reveals that she that she's not really there to apologize instead she wants to ask about the, the tattoo on the back of his neck like his connections to sabin and, and boone, boone and she pulls out a picture of boone with the tattoo still on his neck from a time when he had to go to the prison infirmary for the infection of the tattoo he got yep and Dresden then pieces it together and realizes that Miller is Boone, and the tattoo didn't get erased off of Boone's body. It transferred from Boone's body to Miller's body, yeah, because and Boone took possession of the body. He learns this after Boone's been asked a few more questions, and Murphy's pushing, and then her final question is, 
why what happened to taking the time to remove the tattoo from his body before you killed him in the uh carjacking and he's like i don't know what you're talking about and then it clicks for harry and he's just like you're boone ah shit you're boone you jumped bodies so boone who is also miller mm-hmm. grabs murphy pins her to a wall and pulls his gun on her and then he jams his left hand into her chest shoots himself in the head and he becomes murphy yep mm-hmm. so dresden tries to help murphy up and it's actually Miller. Boone. It's actually Boone and, and Boone and Murphy's body now. They have a very brief exchange where Boone's like, "You went and talked to Saban. Who the hell are you?" And then shoots Dresden twice. Yes. We then cut to what should be a commercial break, but it's not. I mean, it is depending on where you watch it, how you watch it. But yeah. yeah, yeah. Vision, but if you're watching it streaming with no commercials, there's no commercial break. It's just where it would have been. Yep. And Harry's waking. He's like, "Surprise, surprise! I'm not dead." In the narration. Yeah. A little tool of the trade. My mother left me. Saved my life. And it, there's two bullets like just stuck on the shield bracelet. Yeah. Which in, the way it kind of put here is all the other little wards look like they're in pristine condition. But these two look like they're ruined. You can tell that they're scratched up. Bullets are like seemingly melted and stuck to it. So assumedly it can stop bullets, but only the number of times that it has wards on it. I wonder how it would stop like a sword slash or something. I have no idea. Yeah. So Dresden then is back at his apartment house thing, store, office. Mm-hmm. And he's scraping the doorknob, and Bob is like, what are you doing? And Dresden's like, getting Murphy's blood. And he's working on a voodoo doll, and Bob is like, you can't do that, that's black magic, what are you doing? Yeah, and Bob's protesting the entire idea. He's like, this is a horrible idea. Do you remember the last episode where Bob just handed Dresden dark magic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Harry's not using the dark magic, he was just holding it for a friend. <laughs> It's not, I, sw- I swear, I swear, I swear, I swear, I swear, High Council, it's not mine, I'm just holding it for I, a friend. I, I swear, Mr. Warden, it's not my dark magic, I'm just holding it for a friend, I promise. <laughs> that, that, that's literally what's happening here, right? Now that he's using it, it's a problem, but when he was just holding it for a friend, it was fine. But Bob's like, you're gonna alert the High Council, it's gonna twist your mind, shit's gonna get fucked up, everything's gonna be bad if you use dark magic. Yep, and Bob is outraged by the idea of Dresden using this black magic. And Harry's but during just... their argument, Dresden realizes the plan all along was for Boone to get the tablet and then trade bodies so he could eventually get back into the prison to get Saban out. Yeah, and as they're arguing, Harry's just like, well, what then? And Bob starts listing a bunch of different rituals that might work, but probably won't. And take, and... and take hours of preparation that they don't have. Yeah, and Harry's just like, well, what else? And Bob's just like, I don't know. Egyptian magic stuff's not my... Forte. And that's when Dresden realizes what was going on. That Sabin knows, so he goes to visit Sabin in prison again. So Dresden then uses Sabin's anger at Boone's betrayal mm-hmm. to get him to tell him what he needs to know. Which, what he needs to know is that if you touch the block of Anubis once, it grants you the power to jump into somebody else's body at the time of your death, providing that you're touching them with your left hand on their chest. Mm-hmm. And if you touch the tablet again with your left hand, after you've already been given this power, your soul gets kicked out of its body, assuming you're not in your original body at the time. Yep. And your soul then proceeds to the afterlife like it should. Yeah, that, that's the end of that scene. Yeah, that's the rundown there. We see a very brief scene of Harry going back to the evidence lockup with a fake requisition writ to get the evidence out of the locker, not just look at it. Yeah, just just the tablet, though. Mm-hmm. Just the lock of Anubis. Yep, that's it. He yep. forges paperwork, gets a piece of evidence from the locker really easily. Still clerks. Yeah, this clerk is very bad at her job. Dresden then goes back to Hart, the client, mm-hmm. and has him help reassemble the lock of Anubis by the pictures he had of it. Yep. While Dresden makes a phone call to Boone slash Murphy, during which he uses the voodoo doll to convince Murphy Boone 
that he can tap into Boone's soul no matter what body they're in yep. and inflict pain on them and hurt them and that he has Boone's number. And so he Boone's hangs up. Boone's just going to listen to what he has to say. Yep, you're going to listen to what I have to say. You'll wait for my next call. And he hangs up. Boone immediately then calls somebody. He's like, hey. Trace my call. Trace that last call I just had, which was to, which was obviously yep. Dresden. And then Hart's just like, well, what are we going to do now? And Dresden is just like, wait for Boone to come try to kill me. Yep. So then the two are kind of just sitting there at the table. And, and Hart's just like, so have you always been like this? Well, at first he's like, is this all real? Yeah. And, and, and Dresden's like, like, yep, all of it. Have, have you always had these powers? Ever since I was a kid. Do, do, do you always help people? No, there was there was a time where that wasn't quite the case. Oh, okay. And then they go to talk about something else, and then we hear the door open. Yeah, they they mention Dresden's uncle and how he's how yeah, yeah. he tried to make him do stuff with magic, and now he's dead. And the door opens, and Harry shushes heart. And then Harry uses the voodoo doll to inflict pain upon. He squeezes it, Boone, and slams it to the floor so we, that it can't get yeah, up. We hear Boone curse. So they realize Boone is there. He slams Voodoo Doll to the floor and then goes to attack or harass Boone. Yeah, which. he kicks the gun out of Boone's hand, Murphy's hand, and kind of mocks him and grabs them by their left hand to, to reasonably attempt to remove Boone from Murphy's body. But Boone then pulls a knife and stabs Harry. Yep. And then Boone goes into the back and confronts Hart. Where Hart's just like, "You're Boone, aren't you? You killed my daughter." Yep. So Dresden then eventually shows back up and through a bit of arguing. Eventually manages to grab Murphy Boone's arm. Um, I do think I got that line from Charles wrong, though. Oh. I believe it's a, my name is Charles Hart. You killed my daughter. Prepare to die. <laughs> right? That, yes. That's what happens, right? Yes, 100%. Okay. And Boone kind of, like, grabs Harry at the same time that like, Harry tries to grab Boone's arm. and like Yeah, because Boone is angry that that's not the tablet. And it's just like, what'd you do with it? Where is it? And it turns out Harry has had the, had the tablet under his jacket. And when Boone puts his hand against Harry's chest, the tablet activates. Boone gets kicked out of Murphy's body. And he's in screaming, apparent ghost agony. And he eventually disappears into a burst of orange, fiery motes of light. And weirdly, actually, Mr. Hart can see all of this happening. Yep. And, and he also sees his daughter kind of just watching the guy that killed her. And then she's like, I love you, Dad. And she also vanishes. Yeah. We then cut to Dresden. He's mm-hmm. hanging out on his couch when Murphy shows up. Yep. And Murphy and Dresden kind of talk about the case and what Murphy knows. And Murphy's on leave at the moment because uh, she doesn't feel right in the head. Yep. Because she feels like she knows things she shouldn't. And that she feels like what she does know is a lie. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know. And she's like, I've been having dreams about you, Dresden. And he's like, what, what, what type what of kind dream? of dreams? She's like, that you're performing. Sometimes, no, sometimes you're just terrifying. Fine. And other times you're performing. He's like, performing on stage. And she's like, miracles. miracles. And then she tr- she looks at him and she's dead serious. And she's like, if I ever become a cop again. And he's like, when, when? you become a cop again? Will you promise never to lie to me again after this? And... And he's like, what? Uh, what? And she just leaves. Yeah. Uh, because she knows he was lying. Because the story that he gave didn't make sense. Yeah, the story that he gave was that Miller knocked her out. And then... Killed himself. And well, then... You no, know, Miller knocked her out, injured Dresden. Dresden, Dresden grabbed Murphy and ran... And then Miller killed himself. And Miller killed himself. Right yeah. there, which wouldn't match up with any like report on the body lineup. Like there are so many easier ways to tell that story. It was a horrible fucking line. She's like, "That's that's bad. That doesn't make sense. You're wrong." Okay, guys, that's the end of episode two. Justice, mm-hmm. what's your take on episode two and this series as a whole? Do you want to watch the other nine episodes? No. <laughs> what's your take on the show then? No, I wouldn't. So I wouldn't be like opposed to watching them. Yeah, I don't want to watch them either. Because again, the show, it's not bad, it's not good, it's just not interesting. So Nothing about the show interests me. I found out... Though I do have one question about the show, though. Mm-hmm. Do the other nine episodes just involve an enemy of the week taking over someone else's identity? I can tell you definitively at least two of them do not. That's sad. Because two of them are about a sex cult that uses sex power to fuel ritual magic to murder people. 
Eh, close enough. So what I did find out, though, is that Stormfront, the first book, with those two episodes I was just talking about are based off of, yep. is, it also has a like two-hour unpremiered pilot episode mm-hmm. that was the original writing for this, and it's apparently completely different. It has the same cast, and it's you can find it on the internet. And it's what the show was originally meant to be before, like... You can find it on the internet as in you can find the script or you can find the unaired pilot. You can find the unaired two-hour pilot. Might have to do that. Yeah. I'm interested in looking at that. Here's the here's the really fun twist. I will watch the rest of the show. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> but mainly because I absolutely hate it. I'm going to hate watch it. Yeah. See, that's the thing. A show is watchable if it's good or a show is watchable if it's really bad because hate watching is a thing. Sometimes you just want to watch something really bad so you can make fun of it. I assume you realized I didn't make a lot of jokes during this episode. I had nothing to work with. They gave me nothing to work with. So I hated this show with a passion. And like from what I've gathered from like reading on Reddit, that's the common reaction to people who read the books and then watch the show. We hate it. Kind of like the people that read the Aragon books and then watched the Aragon movie. We're kind of like the people that watched Avatar The Last Airbender and then watched The Last Airbender. Or kind of like the people that like that love Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z and then watched Dragon Ball Evolution. But apparently, for a lot of people, this was their first exposure to the Dresden Files, and it actually brought them into the books, and they really love the books, and they look back at this show with fondness. Strictly because it got them into something better. Yeah. I don't like this show. I think it's like a 2 out of 10. I'll it, give it a 5 or a 6. It's literally middle of the road. It's watchable, but like the only good thing about it is some of the casting. Now, that said, I want to go through some notes here I made about the differences between the books and the show. Just quick fire here. First, Dresden's mother does not give him a shield bracelet because shield bracelets are focuses for casting magic. Instead of just catching bullets, you have to focus your your magic through it and it projects a barrier. That's what a shield bracelet does. You have to actively use magic. Yes, and it can stop magic, fire, guns, swords. It's a, it's a literal magical barrier around you. Instead, his mother left him a silver pinnacle necklace, which is a symbol that represents all of magic, the four elements, the soul, all contained within the circle of the human being and balanced perfectly. And it's also made of silver, which is relevant when he fights a werewolf. Next thing, Bob can't leave his skull without permission, and Bob can't leave his skull during daylight hours, because daylight hours will destroy ghosts. It's not like being in daylight will destroy spirits, but being outside of any like sanctified ground or container will destroy a spirit during daylight hours okay but this one i think can get a pass strictly because from a filming standpoint it's not gonna work out well on film or screen to just have two rather important characters that in these two episodes we see talk a lot and spend a lot of time together it's not gonna be good for like no, filming or watching to just have one person kind of walking around and just talking a hundred percent another I, voice just a hundred percent i agree with you that's the best change they made giving bob a physical body and actually the actor playing him Tan terrence Mann. Mann, who has been in sensate he played mm-hmm. a character in sensate very good show he played in oh what was this he plays in a series of b-horror movies critters yeah one yeah, two yeah. three he's and critters. four that's he's, he's in all four of those he's got a really astounding acting career he's also a thespian on stage he's a great actor that said he was a really good choice for bob that said bob is a lecher he's a lecherous piece of shit dresden essentially pays him in like shitty romance novels that are basically smut books for middle-aged women because he's obsessed with sex like that that's who bob is also on on a note about bob he's not a thousand year old wizard spirit he's a spirit of intellect and air he's from the never never and he's hiding on earth because he's pissed off some very powerful people in the never never on the next point dresden lives in a basement apartment that has exactly four rooms a living room that also includes a kitchen, a cl- like just a kitchen, a clove area, um, a basement that a sub basement that he uses as his laboratory, his bedroom, and then a bathroom off of his bedroom. That's his entire apartment is very small. Additionally, Dresden has a pet cat from the get go. We never see his pet cat, which is sad because Mr. is, a, Mr. is an amazing cat. 
Also, also, we, we go to Laura's Diner multiple times, which seems like it's a stand-in for Macanelli's Pub, which is a very cool place and has, has a very cool cast of characters tied to it within the novels. Question. Is Bob's actual name in the books Roth Brainsbridge? No, because uh, Bob is a name that Dresden gave for the spirit when he took the skull after murdering Justin Damore. Um, because okay. Justin I, I was just curious. Yeah. That's the thing they've listed for the character. Oh, I saw that. His, On... his name is Rothbert? Um, Hoffbert. Rothbert of Bainbridge. There's an H in front of it, but obviously it would be if, if more I, and more in I think that's the name of the person who the skull is from, huh. but the skull isn't. Yeah, the skull isn't him. The spirit, yeah. Gotcha. Continue. Next, I just have to talk about words and thresholds. The show doesn't t- t- touch on thresholds at all. Mm-hmm. Thresholds are an innate magical barrier that protect homes, which would have stopped the Ravenmen and the Skinwalker from, from even going into Sc- um, Scott's home to begin with. Yes. Thresholds would not, however, have stopped them from entering Dresden's place of residence because he also uses that as the front for his detective agency. With no separation between what is a business, business and, and home. Yep, so he would have had a very poor threshold, if any. Um, that said, words are also not a physical thing that you put up. They're also magical. Also you actively channel magic into. And if you don't have a threshold to hold the words, you have to refresh that every day. So that paper he gave Scott would have been good for like a day, maybe. Yeah, but we know the kid has the gift. It's fine. And also, just because the Raven men are morally gray doesn't mean they can just walk across thresholds and words. That's, again, not how that works. Words and thresholds keep out all magical entities, and if they don't keep out all magical entities, the magical entities that cross that lose a massive amount of their power. Next up, you remember Melissa and how she was Dresden's link to the High Council? Yeah. Dresden's a member of the High Council. Well, not the High Council. He's a member of the White Council, which the show doesn't mention at all. The White Council is essentially every wizard that's powerful enough to be called a wizard. And then I assume the High Council is the ones that reign above them. The seven members of the White Council that rule yeah, the, yeah. that rule them. Yeah. At no point in these two episodes did they explain the High Council or why they should be afraid of them. Which you know, honestly, I'm not upset by that. It does add like a thing to keep watching for, mm-hmm. but I, I don't care enough to do that. Well, the show also will eventually introduce the Wardens, which I mentioned earlier as a joke. But the Wardens are essentially the military police of the White Council. Uh, there's about three or four hundred of them. They're magic-powered judge, jury, executioner types who. If you break one of the seven laws of magic, they'll just cut your head off. Who needs heads? And their swords are anti-magic and dispel spells and can protect them from other people's magic. Nice. They're literally walking anti-magic tanks and using a moppet or a voodoo doll would be considered black magic. As Bob did say. Yep. Also, Dresden murdered his mentor with magic, which violates one of the laws of magic, and he's been living under the Sword of Damocles ever since that. The Sword of Damocles... Damocles? Yeah. um, ...is a delayed punishment by the White Council where they're like, hey, we think you acted in self-defense... We're not going to sentence you to murder right now, but, but if we, we can see, do it whenever we want. But but if we see any signs of black magic from you, you don't even have to do black magic. You just have to like be researching or dabbling in that. Or you stuff. know, if you're holding black magic for a friend, yeah, we're going to cut your head off. Mm-hmm. So things shield bracelets are a focus. They don't just passively work. I already mentioned that voodoo dolls are black magic. The doom box is black magic. Voodoo dolls and other such magic require fresh blood, hair, or nails. So blood dried on your doorknob would not work for that. Other spells like tracking magic that require pieces of a person also require fresh blood, fingernails, or hair. Because the longer it's away from the person, the less resonance it has with them. Also, this is a personal gripe. Dresden doesn't fucking wear his duster in the show. And that's like a key piece of his ensemble. He wears a fucking like ankle length duster because he thinks it looks cool because he's an edgelord every magic user that's actually kind of cool and edgy 
in like modern things that are vaguely detective-esque. By this, I just mean apparently him and Constantine wear a duster. Yeah. Next up, Dresden's dad is not a shitty stage magician like they make him out to be. He was actually a great stage magician and a contemporary and friend of David Copperfield, who his son is partially named after. Harry Blackstone Copperfield Dresden. He never made it big because he was more concerned about doing charity shows for ki- for dying kids in hospitals and, and watching parties. And watching after his son. And keeping his son safe than he was about being a famous magician. Also, Dresden didn't use magic until well after his dad died for the first time. Also, Justin Morningway isn't Dresden's uncle. His real name is Justin DeMorn, and he adopted Harry after Harry first shown signs of magic. Also, also... Lieutenant Murphy does not have a child, and her name is not Constanza, it's Karen. And actually, the smallest difference I noticed in the show that I'm I'm actually totally okay with, Lieutenant Murphy in the show is Hispanic, probably probably still Catholic though, whereas in the book, she's Irish Catholic. Both of these have the same, like, stand-in for character development, where it means they have big families that are traditional values, and they both have those similar, like, storytelling aspects. So that seems fine to me. I don't care that they changed her from Irish Catholic to Hispanic Catholic. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, those were all my my complaints. There was something else I mentioned I, I thought of earlier that I forgot what we were doing, but that's uh, pretty much wasn't everything. Wasn't it vaguely two things? Dresden just has a very set go-to type of women, and it's blonde women. No, I, I don't and care. And that he never gets laid. Yeah, I don't care so much about that. I mean, like, you complained about that one quite a bit when you first saw Lore. You're like, he literally represents an entire group of people that yeah, talk a big game, supposed, but literally can't he's fucking supposed do to be shit. like this edgelord, like... Incel, almost? Yeah, this edge, like, he's so sexist, and he's he's edgy, and, like, he's, like, you're... He's a piece of shit. You shouldn't like Harry Dresden when you first re- when you first encounter Harry Dresden. You, he'll, you'll grow to like him, because he'll grow to be a better person, but... When you first encounter him, you should kind of hate him. Yeah, TV shows don't like to do that. Yeah, well... It makes it hard to make their show continue. So, that was all the differences I noted between the book and the show. So, what did you think of the show? Was it good? Was it bad? I told bad? you, it's a 2 out of 10. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was terrible. Like, not just because of all these things, but because, like, every scene felt cramped and, like, badly shot, and nothing felt, like, good. There, Nothing felt good about this show. I would say nothing felt good, but I don't think anything felt bad about the show either. In my opinion. It felt cramped. Like, every shot felt like... The only shot that really felt cramped to me was oddly one of the shots that shouldn't have felt cramped. And that was when Murphy and Dresden show up at Miller's place, which is shown to be a big mansion. Well, when they first walk inside there, well, like, that opening, legitimately, feel, no, the it, opening and the yeah, room feels super cramped. It's just something about the way it's shot. Because, like, even some of the outdoor scenes feel like they're kind of on a stage. Yeah, see, I didn't get that feeling for most of it. Mm, well, I didn't like the show. And part of it's because I love these books and it's so vastly different from its source material. And, like, I get it. The changes have to be made to take something in from one medium to another. Like, Murphy being Costanza Murphy instead of Carrie Murphy. Apparently that's because there was, at the time, a real Chicago police detective who had stuff going on um, named Karen Murphy. Hmm. And they didn't want to conflict with that or, like, cause issues. So they changed her name to Costanza and she became Hispanic. That seems perfectly fine. It's the same storytelling shortcut and, like, I don't have an issue with that. Yeah, no, that's or, fine. like, Bob having a physical body that he can portray, 100% a good, like, change for storytelling for on a visual medium. Everything else, though, didn't, like, the changes don't make sense. It doesn't feel like, dre- the characters don't feel like themselves. That- that's the biggest issue. I mean, they feel like who they are. Yeah, in the show, but Harry doesn't have his smartassness, and Bob Bob is in his lecherous, like, jokey self, and Murphy doesn't have, like, she has an attitude, but, like, her attitude in the show just feels, like, I, he- I hesitate to say bitchy, but that's how it kind of comes off, 
Whereas, like, even, I, I am police officer. You have to listen to me. But even in the first book, it was more like we're friends, and I'm being I'm being a dick to you, but I'm a dick to you because you're my friend. Okay, I got you. Like, so, um, the final consensus of, from both of us is it's not a show we would suggest you watch. Josh would actively probably suggest you don't watch it. Yeah, just just go find the first book and read it or listen to it on Audible. You know, I would suggest to read or listen to it. I assume that's just better, but I'm not gonna tell you not to watch it. I'm the, not gonna tell you to watch it. I show, will tell you this show exists. You can find the show for free online legally. Mm-hmm. Um, we watched it on Roku's TV app, yep. but it's also like on Crackle and Vudu and like whatever you, others that you yeah, use. It's it's free on the internet. If it sounds like something you would like, go watch it. It's got a little bit of supernatural vibe in it, but it's not good. Yeah, and so so it's like Supernatural season six or seven. Yeah, yeah, that it, it's super. It's as good as Supernatural season six or seven. That's where I'm sitting. Without as nearly as attractive men. A hundred percent. Paul Blackthorne makes a great Dresden, but he's not an attractive Dresden, which makes sense because Dresden's not attractive. So, anyways, if you want to talk to us about this episode or anything else, you can email us at copilotsreview at gmail dot com or tweet us at copilotsreview. Or you can go to our website, copilotsreview.simplecast.com, where you can find a link to our email, our Twitter, and our Discord, where you can talk about a variety of things and the variety of channels we have on there. And our YouTube, where we have a bunch of older episodes posted, and we'll eventually have the newer episodes backlogged on there. Eventually. That's more of a, if you want to like go experience those older episodes again, because you want to give us views. Or, if you want to leave us a review, you can do that in the app that you're currently listening to this on. Yep. We read reviews live on air for you guys, not live on air because we record, edit, post. But we read your reviews to the audience, and we just want to thank you all for listening. Yeah. Catch you on the next flight.